exactly what I intend to do is to preach the word. As a matter of fact, if you'd like, you can open up to the book of Second Timothy. And uh, we're going to start a brand new series of lessons today. And I've titled this uh, series, Shoes. And you'll see shortly why we're titling it Shoes and why we're going to think about shoes for the next uh, several weeks, for the month of February anyways, as we read the book of Second Timothy. I, I want to encourage you to read the book of Second Timothy. I really do. I know a lot of times we go to church and we think, well, I'll hear a good lesson there. But God does something inside our heart when we sit down at our house and, and we turn the lamp on and get a cup of coffee. You do get a cup of coffee, I hope. I mean, if, it, if you don't do that, it doesn't count, okay? So, no, a little biased. But anyways, uh, get settled, settle your mind and your heart, open, open up God's Word. And I want to encourage you to read the book of Second Timothy over and over and over. And I want you to look and see what God might have to say to you from the Apostle Paul, from the Holy Spirit. We'll also ask him if he'll speak to us here as well when we gather at Gateway, of course. And so let's do that right now, and then we'll read our text together today. God, thank you. Thank you for this morning. The snow falling reminds me of your grace that falls in my life. I didn't do anything to make the snow fall. And I can't do anything to make your grace fall. But I accept it, God. I thank you for it. I give you praise that you've made me as white as snow. And that you've offered that to the entire world. Thank you, God. And as Jim prayed today, we pray that you would quicken hearts today. We pray that people would, the Holy Spirit, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to do your work. This is your work, not mine. Not Wyatt's, not a wife's or a husband's or a parent's. This is your work, Holy Spirit. So right now, we invite you and ask you, do your great work inside of hearts. And especially in mine, I pray you would help my heart to be open. That each of us would, would just crack our, our heart open a little bit so that you could do what needs to be done inside of each of us. Thank you, God. We believe this. We believe that you're listening. And we pray it all in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said... Amen. Second Timothy chapter two and verses three through seven is what we're going to be reading today. And um, if you want to get your Bible, you're welcome to and you can hold it there because after we read it, we're going to kind of go away from that and come back. Second Timothy chapter three, like a good soldier of Christ Jesus, share in the hard times with us. A soldier does not take part in the things that don't have anything to do with the army. He wants to please his commanding officer in the same way. Anyone who takes part in a sport doesn't receive the winner's crown unless he plays by the rules. The farmer who works hard should be the first to receive a share of the crops. And then Paul says something. I'm not sure that, it, that this is said anywhere else in the Bible. I'm not sure if it is or not, but I don't think it is. Verse 7, think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand what all of it means. I'm glad he put that in there because a lot of times I read the Bible, I'm like, I don't have any idea what that meant. I don't get it. You know, I don't know if you had that experience. You guys may be a lot smarter than me, but I'm just like, I don't get it a lot of times. And, and I, I'm thankful Paul put this in there. Think about it. And I'm inviting you what, during this sermon to be thinking about these three things, three pairs of shoes, army boots, athletic shoes, and farmers. Boots, shoes, what do they wear? I don't know, you know, whatever they wear. 
I want you to think about those three pairs of shoes. And uh, we're going to talk about shoes for a while. And we'll come back to this text in just a few minutes. I want you to look at these shoes. And I want you to think, what age person wears these shoes right here? What age? A little baby. Probably not even a little baby. Because I think these are actually made out of paper. I think that's a Pinterest or something. It's like a decoration, okay? How about these shoes right here? Yeah, children or, you know, kids that are in mid-school maybe. I mean, you could wear these as an adult, but it'd be, you might get some funny, you know, some funny looks a little bit. Okay, how about these shoes right here? College age probably or, you know, around that age. Uh, you know, when you're in college, you wear flip-flops and you just get up and roll out of bed and go to class with your sweats on and, you know, you have your college, uh, your college uh, logo there. And So how about these shoes? What age? Yeah, 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 yeah. For Russ, only on Saturday nights. Okay, Russ, thanks. That's great. So, um, yeah, you know, kind of maybe middle age. I mean, kind of when we're grown, kind of a grown adult, and you know, going to going to work. You know, got responsibilities and stuff. And what about this last pair of shoes? Okay. <laughs> was that court? That was awesome, court. Okay. Yeah, they, these kind of, you know, these could be worn by other people, but they do kind of look like older shoes a little bit. And, uh, you know, there's just kind of a natural progression in life, isn't there? There's kind of a natural progression from growing as a child into, into adolescence and then to adulthood and, and then kind of midlife and then on into those sunset years of our life. Just the natural progression of being on this earth. Another way to say it might be that there are seasons of life. Of course, there's springtime, children, and youth, and, and everything's new, and there's lots of energy, and there's lots of things changing, and there's all kinds of mistakes, and there's education, hopefully, and, and, and so it's just this time of what's going to happen? We don't know yet. It's just all budding, and it's just all starting, and we're, we can't wait to see. It's that youthful time of life, and then there's the summer of life. Maybe the adult years, we might say, perhaps you have a spouse, maybe some children, but certainly you have lots of responsibilities and activities that you're involved in in your life during this season of the summer of our life. And then there's, of course, what we might say, the autumn years of our life. Perhaps we become grandparents or we get to retirement, hopefully. And and most of the time when we get to the autumn years of our life, we have a little bit more free time or we hope we do. We have more wisdom when we get to this stage of our life. Our health begins to be a little bit of a concern for us, sort of. And hopefully if we've, kind of, if we've kind of done things right, we have a few more resources than we did in those first two seasons. And then we come to that winter season of our life that comes to a time when we begin to lose some of our friends and our family to death. And we start having many health concerns. And we begin to slow down a bit. But even in that physical slowing down, our priorities become crystal clear. And we have much wisdom because of the experience that we've had and because of watching others and the things that they've been through. And maybe we begin, we start, maybe not start, but maybe it settles in. We really feel frustrated with the younger generation during these winter years of our life. And there's a, maybe a temptation to get Kind of cynical and cranky a little bit. Not everybody, but but I'm sure it's a temptation for some. And during these seasons, these last couple of seasons, the autumn season and the winter season 
of life. There are many people in our culture who choose a new pair of shoes. And they choose to go to a new place where they can escape all this frustration. All the hard things that are going on and all the tough things with other younger generations. And actually there's a, there's a lot of younger people, unfortunately, who want to send older people to this place that I'm talking about so they won't mess up our fun. That's often to the demise of young people. You know this place I'm talking about, don't you? Yep, it's Florida. Yeah, that's right. That's the place. Just send them off to Florida, you know, and go over there with all the other cranky people, you know, and complain about, you know, the service and whatever, you know, just, just go off to, to this place where it's nice and warm and, and where, and where maybe you can get away from all these other, uh, hurts and, and hard things that are going on. And I, I, I'm, it's a joke, of course, but I have no problem with Florida for vacation or I have no problem with Florida for an extended trip in the sun to go enjoy and see that beautiful part of the world. But listen to me close. There is a Florida of the soul. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is a Florida of the soul. A place that, that I want to go escape and isolate and be done with all things difficult in my life. No more challenges. No more worries. No more of all that stuff I've been through for those other seasons. And so people are tempted during this season of life to put on their golf shoes or to put on their shopping shoes or to put on their beach shoes and forget about all the problems and just keep those shoes on only. And after all, why not? Didn't they work hard earlier in their life? I mean, they volunteered. Perhaps they raised a family. They went to PTA meetings. They worried about all that stuff in the community and they were involved and they were going, 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 going. I mean, doesn't, you know, it's like, let the other young people now do that. You know, it's my Florida years. It's my time to just forget about all that stuff. More sad, because I think that is kind of a sad place to get to if we just put on our golf shoes and that's all we wear. More sad, though, in my opinion, are the people in these latter seasons of their life who get brushed aside by the younger generations as irrelevant or past their time of usefulness. And so these people, by their choice or not by their choice, end up putting on what I would call house shoes, watching Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, And just waiting for the end to come. It's the truth. It happens. You know it does. And it's ridiculous for younger generations to do that to people in the generations that are in the autumn and the winter of their life. Ridiculous. It's a horrible mistake for younger generations to do that. Did you hear the scripture that Alex read today? The last verse of it says this. Outwardly. Oh yeah, outwardly, we're changing seasons. We're wasting away. Yeah, you bet. We got all that stuff going on. But inwardly, we are being, say the word with me, renewed day by day. Renewed day by day. Like, like I woke up this morning 
and something inside had happened. God did something. He made me new inside. And then I went to bed and I was tired and I hurt. My back hurt. And man, I, you know, I'm worried about my kids over there that live over there, my grandkids and all this stuff. And I woke up this morning and I was renewed inside. God's doing something in here. There are two Greek words for new. Two Greek words. One of them is the word neos. All right. Everybody say the word neos on the count of three. One, two, three. That's the word for chronologically new. Like I want a neos car. My car happens to be not neos. Okay. It is not new. It's old. And I want a neos. I want something new chronologically. That's what that word means. But there's another word. There's another word in scripture that it's a Greek word that scripture used. And this word is kainos. And so on the count of three, I want you to say the word kainos. One, two, three. Kainos. Scripture supports a view of aging that is not neos, but is kainos. It's this view. It's the view that I am being renewed day by day. That's the word that's here in 2 Corinthians. Outward, yes, I'm not neos anymore. But inwardly, kainos. Today and tomorrow and the next day, kainos, day after day after day. This is how the psalmist writes about it. Look at this, Psalm 92. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They'll grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they'll flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. What great words. Fresh. And green, not brittle and cracked and cranky. No, no, no. Fresh and new. Beautiful words that Scripture supports about growing old. Kainos. I want to share with you each week as we talk about this book of Second Timothy. I want to share with you a couple of stories. And, and so I'll share a couple today. And, and I'm really just sharing them to try to a little bit maybe shock us out of neos. Neos is, neos is not the right way to think. I want to shock us a little bit into thinking about kainos. About as we grow older, we can still be renewed day by day. Here's a couple of stories. This is Joshua Slocum. Joshua Slocum in 1892, 1892, well over 100 years ago, was given this ship, but it was broken down. It was all a mess. And he went out with an axe with his hands and he cut down trees and he made new wood and he repaired that ship. It's called the spray. And it took him three years to repair the ship. And in 1895, Joshua Slocum got on that ship and he started sailing and he sailed around the world 46,000 miles and more amazingly he did it by himself while he was on the ocean he was attacked by pirates they would come along and he would see them over there and he knew they were pirate ships and he would 
get a weapon and he would make himself visible and show that he wanted to fight them if they came. And then he would run underneath, under the deck. He would change clothes into something different, a different hat, and come out with a different weapon. And he'd yell at them again, trying to make them think there were a lot of people on the ship. That's the kind of guy this guy was. I like that guy. He's a thinker. Dolphins would follow him for days. One time there was a shark that was trying to eat the dolphins, and he didn't like that. And so he took a frying pan that he had on ship, and he tied it to a rope, and he threw it out there because he knew the shark would see that shiny thing and attack it. And he threw it out there, and sure enough, the shark came up close enough, and he shot the shark with a shotgun, and then he ate the meat. A smart guy. When Joshua Schlockham left from Boston, he was 51 years old. 51 years old in 1890s. I wonder when the adventure begins for you in your life. Is it your 50s? In your 50s, will you get in a boat and sail solo around the world, fighting off pirates and sharks, having cut down the trees in advance to build the ship? Is that when it starts? Or, oh, no. Oh, no, I I could never do anything even like that because that's neos. You see, that's for young people and dumb people, right? I don't know what the Greek word is for dumb, okay? I'm not sure. But that's neos, see? That's not, that's, I'm not neos, so I could never do anything, nothing like that. Here's a picture of Susan Oldham. Susan Oldham is the oldest female swimmer to have swam across the English Channel of Australia. When she swam across the English Channel, she was 64 years and 257 days, so almost 65 years old. A 21-mile swim that she took 16 hours, over 16 hours to complete. This woman is a grandma. Those are her grandchildren behind her. When does your adventure begin? When you're, when you're in your 60s, almost 65 years old, is that the day that you put on a swimsuit and swim to another country? Is that the day? Or do you think, oh no, in my 60s, I could never do that because that's neos. And I'm not neos. I'm not new enough to do anything. I love the story about a shepherd who got involved in politics at the very highest level, and he did it when he was 80 years old. Maybe you guys know this guy. His name was Charlton Heston. (laughs) Actually, his name is Moses. 80 years old! And he walks into the most powerful office in the world and says, let my people go. Is that when the adventure begins for you in your 80s? When you stand up? For something that you believe. Something that God has made you passionate about. And you can't take it anymore. And you walk in. And you stand. In your 80s. Or do you have the the idea. Oh no that's neos. Young people do that. If you have that. Then you don't have a biblical view of aging. Because the Bible's view is kainos. Thank God. Renewed today and renewed tomorrow and renewed the day after and renewed next year and renewed until the day I stop breathing. What age have you decided in your mind? That's the age. I mean, I, I mean, when I hit that age, I'm done. That's kind of it for me. And now I'm going to sit down on the sidelines. We don't know how old Paul was when he wrote the book of Second Timothy. 
Nobody knows for sure. But when he wrote the book of 2 Timothy, it was his last book. He would shortly be beheaded, according to history, in Rome. So he was probably very close to 60 years old, well above the life expectancy during that time that he lived, and especially for all the difficult things that he had been through in his life. So whatever age he was, because I don't know what that was, but I know this, he knew he was at the end of his life. He knew he was in the winter of his life. Look at what he says. 2 Timothy chapter 4, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. The time has come for me to leave, or some versions say for me to die for my death. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is a crown waiting for me. It is given to those who are right with God. The Lord who judged fairly will give it to me on the day he returns. He knows that the end is near. He knows it's winter. And it's so important to see in verse 6, this is correctly translated the tense of this verb i am already being poured out like a drink offering because it shows that the sacrificing while it had started and it was going on it certainly has not finished yet because paul's not dead yet it doesn't say i was poured out i was poured out like a drink offering back when i was neos When I was new, when I was young, I was poured out like a drink offering back then. No, it says I'm being poured out now, even though it's the end of my life. Sacrifice is happening today for Paul. Why is that? Because of kainos. Renewed today and tomorrow and the next day. When Paul writes this letter to Timothy, I guarantee you, Paul is not wearing golf shoes. And I know that positively because golf had not been invented yet okay but metaphorically he was not wearing golf shoes paul was not wearing beach shoes or shopping shoes and he certainly wasn't wearing house shoes paul is wearing some other shoes and he encourages timothy and all of us to wear those shoes no matter what season we're in and that's what we're briefly going to finish with today is looking back at the text we started with These three pairs of shoes. If you're in your Bible, you can look there in chapter 2, verses 3 through 7, because what you're going to find is, he says to be a good soldier. He says, I want you to put on these shoes, your soldier boots. You see, it's possible for us to forget that there's a war going on. A war where souls hang in the balance for eternity, a war between Christians and, and I wonder what you'd fill in the blank with right there. A war between Christians and, I wonder what comes to your mind right there, right in that moment. It's a little bit of a side note, but it might be important for some of us, and so I'm going to take it for just a moment, and I want you to see what Paul said between Christians and, here's, here's Paul's answer, our fight is not against people on earth. I'm going to read that again. Our fight is not against people on earth, but against the rulers and authorities and the powers of this world's darkness, against the spiritual powers of evil in the heavenly realms. If you filled in the blank with between Christians and, and you said a group of people or some, somebody that's living on the earth, you, you don't have a biblical view. The biblical view is our war. There is a, there is a battle going on, but it's between, it's between Christians and the devil Paul tells us, keep your combat boots on. Wake up in the morning and ask your commanding officer, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, sir, 
Give me my instructions for this day. How do you want me to live today? Ask for directions about where you can go and flank the enemy so that the gates of hell will be pushed back. Ask for opportunities to rest prisoners of war by telling them the good news about the war that was already won that Wyatt spoke to us about this morning when Christ died for their sins on the cross. I'll ask you this question. Do soldiers ever rest? Do soldiers ever laugh? Do soldiers ever enjoy their families? Do soldiers ever go to the movies or read a good book? Do soldiers ever go on vacation or take R&R? The answer is yes, they do. Emphatically, yes, they should. But listen to me close. They don't move to Florida. They don't take off their soldiers' boots and put them in the basement and trade them in to wear golf shoes. Or, and I don't mean to pick on golfers or you know, ski boots, that's me, or cycling shoes, I'll pick on myself. They don't just say, my life now is about me and about having fun and doing my thing now, moving off to that Florida place. Do they rest? Yes. Do they quit? Never. The second set of shoes he talks to Timothy about are athletic shoes. Paul says in this context, it's important for Christians to play by the rules. Play by the rules. Now, I'll tell you this. I've heard this before used legalistically to say that if a Christian breaks a rule, they're disqualified. They're out. Christianity is a moral code, and it must be followed. And if you don't follow it just right, according to whoever's telling you this, their standards, then you're not on the team anymore. If you make a mistake, you're no longer part And certainly that kind of teaching would go against all the rest of Paul's writings about grace and about good news. Because we're no longer under the law. We're under what? That was great. All three of you. Good job. All right. We're not under the law. We're under what? It should feel great to say that. To proclaim it. I'm under grace. Thank you, God. So what does this mean? If I'm under grace, then what does this mean? That I athletic... Shoes, I'm supposed to wear athletic shoes, I'm supposed to play according to the rules. Because the Bible really is full of rules or principles about how to live our lives. The Bible tells us to be kind, don't lose your temper. The Bible tells us to be pure, don't lust, only sleep with your husband or with your wife, no one else. The Bible tells us only say words that build up. Don't be a gossip, don't be a complainer, don't lie, those are sins. The Bible tells us to be content materialism and greed and hoarding that hurts everybody including yourself there are all i could go on and on i mean so could you we go on and on with rules and and principles that are about ways we are supposed to live our lives and it's very popular in the world today and in our culture and even in our churches to say well look it's really just about having a good heart that's all i mean just if you have a good heart that's good enough Today, we'll watch the Super Bowl, a bunch of us. I'm just curious. How many are going to watch the Super Bowl? I just, I'm just wondering how many. Okay, almost everybody. So we'll watch the Super Bowl today. And let me tell you, sometime today, we're going to see one of those receivers on either team running down the sidelines on either team. Amen, Larry? Okay. Yeah. 
running down the sidelines. I mean, an athletic, and they're going to be running full stride, and that ball's going to come, and they're going to reach up on their fingertips, and they're going to pull that thing down and catch it. It's going to be an amazing feat of athleticism. Incredible. And yet here's the deal. If their feet are out of bounds, what would be the call? No catch. Incomplete. And we might say, well, come on. I mean, he was running. Did you see how fast he was running? Did you see how hard he was trying? Do you see what a good guy he is? He made the catch. Come on. No. No, it doesn't count. He's out of bounds. Now, I think it's important to realize it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that he's kicked off the team. It doesn't mean that he has to necessarily go sit on the bench and he can't get back in the game. It doesn't mean that they strip off his, you know, his jersey and say, you're out of here. It doesn't mean that. But it does mean this. He did not help the team move forward. And I'll tell you this. As we step out of bounds, because a lot of times that's, that's what happens with Christians We decide those rules really aren't for me. I've read those rules and I've read those principles, but that's not really for me or that's old or whatever. And I'm going to run out of bounds over here from what the scriptures say. I'm going to do it my way. And if we do that, I want to assure you it's my strong belief and I believe it's biblical. It doesn't mean we're off the team. It doesn't mean that we're sidelined. It doesn't mean that we're stripped of the righteousness that Jesus gave us as a gift. It doesn't mean that. But I will tell you this. Make no mistake about it. The team is not helped. The kingdom of God does not move forward when we live this way. The last one is this. Farmer's boots. He says, work with endurance as a farmer would. Farmers work hard most of the time. They cultivate and they plant and they weed for a long time before they ever think about a harvest. And it takes a steady effort that'll be rewarded, not immediately, but eventually. And I'll tell you this, the Bible mainly speaks about harvest as a metaphor for joining God in his work of bringing those who are not Christians into the kingdom of God. That's the main metaphor about harvest. And it is easy to get distracted with a lot of good things in the kingdom. And never really join God in the work of farming. We could do that. We could take care of the house. We could paint the tractor. We could rearrange the tools in the barn. And never plant one single seed. That's possible. It's a mistake. No matter what age you are. No matter what season of life you're in. You can plant seeds. No matter what season you're in, you can pray like farmers do for God to send rain and ask God to send that rain and that sunshine on the seed so that it will grow. Think about these examples, as Paul said. God's going to make this clear to us as we think about the shoes that we're wearing. I have to tell you this. Here at Gateway, we are blessed to have every generation, people in all four seasons of life, And I want to say to those of you who are in the autumn and winter seasons, I'm not very far away, but you're just a little bit ahead of me. And I want to say this to you. Most of you are wearing really big shoes. And I mean that as a compliment. 
Bill Woolley, and Jerry Holder, and Nancy Bowers were wearing big, big shoes when they stepped across to the other side. That was three people in their that was three people in their seventies and eighties who did not move to Florida. Like Paul, they kept serving all the way to the end. And I have to ask us, younger generation, those of us in the spring and summer, who's going to step up and fill those shoes because they, they need to be filled? For those of you who are older than me, I'm trying to say thank you. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm grateful that you continue to serve and teach and be in difficult relationships. Almost every one of you is on the field. You're not on the sidelines. And I'm grateful. And I want you to know today, we need you. You matter. Your time and your wisdom and your resources, we need you. Your ideas. Some of you, your ideas are so old that they're new again. And we need them again. We could, re, we could reuse those. Some of you here have been married five or six decades, and I'm telling you, there are couples that haven't even been married one decade, and they're thinking about calling it quits, and they need you. There are dads who are discouraged. They're not sure what to do. They need to talk to some dads who've been through this. There are moms who are not sure, how do I handle all the changes and what's going on? And they need you. There are teens who need a person to be a fill-in grandparent. There are single parents who need encouragement from you, and they probably could actually benefit from your financial resources that you could share to help with school clothes. When you go to get your oil changed, call a single mom and get her oil changed, or a single dad. There are divorced people who need a dinner table, and they need you to join God in healing their broken hearts. We still need one more teacher on Sunday mornings during 2014. It would be eight, eight weeks during 2014 that somebody would be on a team to teach and uh, it would be planting seeds that will grow for eternity. If you look in your bulletin, you'll see we need volunteers. The state of New Mexico, the state of New Mexico is calling me and asking me, would you get the word out in all of Rudoso? We want Christian men to go to this Fort Stanton where these boys are a mess and go be a mentor for them, a friend, or go teach a Bible study. If you want to find out how to be involved more in that, you can talk to J.E. or myself. So I'm trying to say, all of you who are not neos chronologically. You're not new anymore chronologically. We need you now more than ever. We need you to remain kainos, to be renewed day after day after day. And some of you may say, well, John, these are great, great stories, great ideas, great metaphors, but how in the world do I do that, John? As a matter of fact, John, would you make a program for us so I could sign up and then I could come get involved in that? No, no, I won't. I won't make up a program for you. But I'll tell you some things that you could do I'll give you a little three-step plan real fast. Here it is. Number one, don't move to Florida. That's number one. Don't do it. It's not a good place. And I don't mean Florida the state. You know what I'm saying. Florida the soul. Don't go there. Don't go there. There's death there. Number two, make friends with somebody. Look around. Look around your neighborhood. Look around this church building. Look around our community and make friends with a person. 
Invite them to lunch. Invite them to come to your house. They'll think you're weird, so what? You know, you can blame it on sinality if you want to. You know, well, I'm not Neos anymore and I don't know what I'm doing. I just invited you over. You know, whatever you want to do. Invite somebody to your house to eat. Go to a basketball game. Take somebody to a movie. Ask someone when you're working on your car, come help me work on my car. Spend some time with them. Plant some vegetables this spring and invite someone to come plant them with you. Be creative about finding ways to invest in a person. That's the first two steps. And the third step is love people. Find a person and love that person. That's it. Jesus said in the book of Matthew, if you're weary, all you who are weary and heavy laden or burdened, come to me and I'll give you rest. And I just wonder if some of you, if your dreams or ideas have just been burdened or worn down to a crusty, leathery, brittle, cynical pile of firewood, if that's happened in your heart at all, God wants to renew you today. He wants to renew your vision, your ideas about ministry. And and if you'll bring him that tired heart, that burdened heart, you know what he'll do? He'll give you a new kinos heart, renewed every day. The scripture says, now to him who is able to do abundantly more than all we ask or imagine. Some of us have got old enough that we stopped asking and we stopped imagining. That's what kids do. Neos, they ask and imagine. I mean, they got big imaginations. Let them figure that stuff out. Let them come up with the energy to do that stuff. And if that's how you feel today, you could bring God that burdened, asking and imagining that neos, incorrect view, and he will give you a kainos, imagining and asking. Whatever season you're in in your life and whatever your need might be today, Jesus, our Savior, invites you to follow him in whatever shoes you're wearing. Walk down the road behind him. And if we can help you with that today, you come while we stand and while we sing.